the Freed from the Real podcast is brought to you each week by PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and CapeFearGames.com. You can listen to us each week on PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and MTGCast.com. What up, guys? As ever, this is the Free From The Real podcast, bringing you all the news that's fit to listen to regarding the online game and stuff from the offline game of interest to us, such as the name and details of the third set of the Return to Ravnica block. Is it me, or are we doing re- or is this a complete retread of RGD? <laughs> now, uh, you're right, we have the third set, so following uh, Return to Ravnica, which we already have, and Gate crash, which will soon be getting. We are getting Dragon's Maze. Um, and yeah, you're right, that would put us in drafting RGD again. That'll be confusing for people who are organizing sets of um, sets to draft, uh, especially if uh, Wizards go for um, a old-school uh, Ravnica thing whilst uh, Return's still in the format. Yeah, that'll be tough. To try and buy RGD and RGD, but not RRGGDD. Mm-hmm. Although, technically, I guess this is going to be DGR, since we're doing with a new draft structure with this, so we draft it backwards. Given, but we draft backwards even if we're playing RGD these days. Yeah, uh, do we? I thought when they bring back the old drafts, they're the old way. I've not dabbled, so you'd know yeah. better than I would. I think, it's a, I think it's still the old way, so in this case, you could... You need to get R-G-G-D-D-D-G-R. R-G-D-D-G-R. <laughs> yeah, say that one ten times fast. Don't tempt me. One for each guild. <laughs> the new uh, toy boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, ten guilds, one destination is the tagline. The badge appears to be pretty much a merger of the two previous badges. Yeah, which, uh, you know, we've kind of seen that a lot lately where they're trying to mirror them in the sets. And also, am I am I alone in this? When I clicked on this announcement, I thought this was a box set. Like, just looking at it, it's an announcing Magic the Gathering, Dragon's Maze. Like, oh, cool, some new deck product that they're releasing. And then as I scrolled down, I, I was like, oh, wait, no. This is the normal set. Yeah. 156 cards, which I believe puts us in the small range for a set. Yes, we are moving back to a small set. Um, as I said, it was going to be big, big, small for this particular block, which will be a nice break, um, mm. because we have had a glut of big sets lately. Um, and in fact, if you look, I think this is only like the third small set in like the last like seven or eight sets. Thereabouts, yeah. yeah um, we had, if you look at it, it's like we had Magic twenty, Magic twenty twelve, big set, Innistrad, big set. Then we had Dark Ascension as a small set, but then after that, Avacyn Restored, big set. Magic 2013, big set. Return to Ravnica, big set. Gate Crash, going to be a big set. And then Dragon's Maze. That'll only be the second small set in eight sets. That's going to be a big standard. Yeah. And then it'll still get big, because we'll have Magic 2014 as a big set, and presumably the fall set will also be big. So in the last ten sets, only two of them will be small. Whew. I, wonder if, I wonder if they will complete the all-possible combinations they could start off with a small set sometime. 
<laughs> that would be very bizarre, and that'd make for a very weird standard format to start. But yeah, I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, they're obviously messing around, you know, because for the longest time it was always big, small, small, big, small, small, big, small, small. And then they really started to screw around with that pattern, and some of it has worked very well, and some of it has not panned out. So, yeah, maybe they'll give it a shot. They've tried missing out or um, going overboard with card types. They've tried um, all multicolored or creature, all um, emphasis on one color, emphasis on two enemy colors, all allies, all enemies. All legendary rares. Mm-hmm. They've, 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 they definitely experiment, and I mean, you know, some they come back to, because obviously multicolor is a big hit, and so they know that, and they've come back to it. And then some are big misses, like, you know, the hand-size-matters mechanic of uh, Kamigawa block. <laughs> and they <fit> yeah. <laughs> Wasn't great. Yeah. I'd say... I do quite like the um, here's a big set with five guilds, here's a big set with five guilds, here's a small set with all of them uh, setting because it gives room to breathe, if you will. So I remember some of the ones last time, um, most obviously with um, Is It last time, didn't really have the same amount of card support due to the set size variation. Now, yeah, that's that's very true. Um, you know, being each guild didn't really get equal time, especially, you know, the small set guilds really kind of got the shaft when you think about it, considering so much was kind of predetermined at that point because of Ravnica. They had, you know, there had to be a bounce land for each guild. There had to be a signet for each guild. There had to be a guild mage for each guild. There had to be a champion. There had to be a guild leader. Like, and, you know, that's, that's fine. That's very cool. They're all flavorful things. But when you compare them to Ravnica, they had so much more room, uh, even though they had the fourth guild in there. Compared yeah. to the other ones with three, they had a lot more room to provide for those skills, it seems. So. And yeah, and a lot more room for um, straight out cool cards which weren't guild affiliated, like um, uh, doubling season. Yeah, no, they had they had a, yeah, you're right, they had just had more space. So yeah, I think for the the guild mechanic like concept, I think you're right. This is a pretty good way to do, to do five and one, five and another, and then. Let's do some extra, all the extra fun stuff that we couldn't fit in there in a third small set that features all ten of them. So I, yeah. I think you're right. It's a good concept for this particular block. Yep. Um, either way, one thing I do like in this announcement, we have, you know, they give us all the release dates right off the top, so we know Magic Online release date is May 13th, 2013. Mark it on your calendar. Already. Yep. Shortly before Pro Tour Dragon's Maze. Yes. The, yeah, a few days before, wherever that one's going to be. Uh, May 17th and 19th. I think that's the double one, maybe? I don't know. We are getting uh, the online release um, quite considerably before the um, game day for it, and in only 10 days after the uh, offline release. Yeah, they're, they're really trying to move, you know, they've, and they said that that's the goal, to move up and eliminate that dead time between the formats. Which I think is a good goal, and I also think it's really important to get the format onto Magic Online, get the set available on Magic Online before the Pro Tour. Um, yeah. Even if you know, I would like it to be longer, but even you know, the five or six days is nice um, to have that beforehand. So I'm a huge yeah. fan. Yes, um, and as we can tell by um, 
uh, Wizards response to um, the amount, the glut of uh, data on each uh, day's events, which they recently cut down. Um, they think that things which are put on Magic Online can help solve things even faster. Absolutely. So we'll see uh, how that works out. Maybe this is their compromise, you know, with giving us earlier sets is that they don't um, publish the data. Maybe that's the trade-off. Yeah. So instead, the data gets um, given to their uh, uh, feature writer on the site as opposed to the other people writing about it. Yeah. Oh, well, Well, yeah, we've hashed over that already quite a bit. We shall move on. Or, in this case, we shall look back. Well, not necessarily with anger, because... um, we're getting the Masters editions back again. Yes. Uh, so I think starting is it isn't it after this downtime? Pretty uh, much. Yep. Coming up tomorrow, uh, we will have the classic flashback, where they are making a brand new format, four pack sealed of the Masters edition, quote unquote, block. Um, yes. While it wasn't technically a block, you know, there, what you'll just you'll do a four pack sealed, and you'll get one of each, and you will then build a deck, and, you know, you can win prizes like the typical um, event. Although they are a little pricey. They're 20 event tickets, and you can't use packs to, to play in them, but you then you win packs. So, a little tricky. That's not that bad a deal. I mean, if you think about it, you've got um, three out of those four packs have uh, got a high chance for dual land. No, absolutely. There's, a, there's a, you know, if you're looking for those older cards for classic, there's plenty of things in there, especially the lands, and I think that's their primary goal with these is to get those out there. Although I am concerned about the playability of the format. <laughs> I will say. Yeah, you've got yeah each each one. I mean, Master, the original Master Edition they did not do much for limited, some but not much. Yeah, they got subsequent. And- they got better as they went along, but like especially like the first two particularly particularly mm. were tough, slow formats that were not very exciting. Yeah, and um, the limited the each limited one since had a certain theme to it. I mean, you had the whole um, the led the multicolored legends and um, uh, Starter cards for, um, I believe it was the third and the fourth. Yeah, later in there, and then the, like the P three K also came in to play. I think in the third one. Yeah, horsemanship providing the main evasion there. Yeah. And you have to wonder a set with legends horsemanship, um, basic introductory stuff, and old broken stuff simultaneously. It's going to be a bit of a wild ride. I'm not sure what's going to pay out there, but if you get something. Um, impressively evasive. Um, horsemanship's going to be even better than usual. Yeah, that's uh, like when I look at it. Like my predictions, if I had to guess for the format from what I remember, because I played a lot of Masters Edition Limited, like in all, pretty much all of them. I think Masters Edition One was the only one I didn't play a whole lot. Um, yeah. I would predict that the two most common winning me- win methods will be horsemanship, um, and that you will twist and turn your mana base to play any horsemanship you get. Yeah, you get. And then closely following that, I think it will be decking. <laughs> because I think this, with a 30-card deck and the slowness of the, that format, um, yeah, I think a lot of people are going to get decked. So any mill cards would be really powerful. Yeah. 
What mill what mill would it be available in that day? I I don't even know. But you know, sometimes there's just weird cards like that, like you just don't forget, you know, don't know about. Like for example, in Return to Ravnica Limited, like Psychic Spiral is broken. Um, in the four pack sealed. Like if you get that, you can just auto win pretty easily. Um, hmm. Chronic Flooding is overpowered. <laughs> sometimes if you hit a turn two Chronic Flooding, you're probably going to win that game. Uh <laughs> You know, it's, it, Mill is just is taken to a whole other level in 30-card sealed. So I don't know if there are any out there, but if you get a Mill card or a Horsemanship card, you play it. That's, that's my plan. Yeah. Well, it should be fun. Um, yeah. and, and also, in going back to our earlier point, you know, that we said um, how you have to pay tickets to enter, but then you get paid out in Master's Edition packs, you'd have to wonder, what am I supposed to do with all these Master's Edition packs? Um, well, they're going to have a rotating block of 64-man drafts um, that'll have basically like one day at all different times, basically like every hour pretty much. Like 12 o'clock, you'll have Master's Edition 1 uh, draft. Then 1 o'clock, there'll be a Master's Edition 2. 2 o'clock, Master's Edition 3, so on and so forth. So every hour, you'll have a different 64-man draft fire for the yep. various Masters editions. So if you, once you accumulate all your packs, you can start burning through them in those events. Yes, the price for those would be 20 tickets, as with the um, uh, one of each, or um, eight event tickets and three booster packs of the appropriate set. Yeah, I'm a little worried about this aspect of it. Like, I feel like it's going to be hard to get some of those, especially the early ones, to fire as they anticipate, because you have to find 64 people who want to play in the draft we're willing to shell out eight additional tickets, and they've accumulated three packs in that particular set to do so. Like, I, I don't know how much of the packs are going to get eaten up by this. You know, I, I could be wrong. It could be wildly popular. Um, I'm not sure how, like, because I just personally think about it, and I'm not really that interested in it, but paying that much for it. But then again, I also have most of the cards from Master's Editions that I want, so there's not a huge incentive for me to do it. Yeah. And obviously that's not the case with everyone, so. Mm -hmm. And I imagine there'd be a brisk trade between the various um, set winners with their um, winnings if people are trying to go for the um, start of those um, individual drafts. Yeah, it'll be curious to see, you know, if, if others, you know, which ones people want to draft and, you know, if, you know, three and four, since they were better formats uh, developmentally, if those get played more and those packs get eaten up more and they're worth more than compared to like one or two, which were not as good in limited formats. Yeah, all the money sopped up by um, uh, Force of Will in the original. Yeah, Force of Will pretty much been the only money card to make it in the first set. Um, and yeah, like you said, definitely soaked up all the money. Yep. Um, as opposed to the more diverse value formats of the other ones. Each of which has at least five dual lands. Yeah, at a bare minimum, yeah. There's at least four more money cards in the other set, either the three sets compared to Master Edition 1. Yep. Right. And following on from that, they're also doing constructed gold queues. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, these typically prove pretty popular. Uh, people like them. And it's the same as before um, for all the formats. Heads up match, ten tickets to enter, one man gets five packs, one man gets no packs. Mm -hmm. So if you like, you know, high stakes... Standard, modern, Ravnica block, or legacy. Uh, you've got about a week to, to get in there. Yep. All right. 
Yeah, that's pretty much all the news we've got for the moment. So let's move on to our prices. Uh, we've got a um, look at the various standard prices at the moment. Uh, RTR's value is holding up pretty well. Yeah, no, it seems like um, a lot of cards are doing really well. And we're seeing a couple of things starting to shoot up here um, recently, most notably of which has got to be Sphinx's Revelation. Um, yeah. Blue-white decks have kind of found a home. And they've found a way to be playable, and so that obviously is a big piece of them. And so, yeah, that's gone up to almost 16 tickets now. Yeah. Oh, hey, life and cards. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing to me. You know, playing Magic as long as I have and as much as I have, to see how ridiculously good and sought-after life gain is. Because mm. for the longest chunk of Magic's history, life gain was just not good. <laughs> yeah. Healing Salve was um, not exactly Lightning Bolt's um, rival. And let's not get started on Ancestral Recall versus Healing Salve. Yeah. No, I remember, like, one of the very first decks I built was a green-white deck. You know, with, like, because I'm, a, you know, I was a little kid, so clearly I want to play, like, Force of Nature and Sarah Angel. And I had Stream of Life in there. And I think one of the first magic lessons I learned was Stream of Life is not a very good card. Um, yeah. And so it quickly got cut. For those of you that don't remember, it's like green and X gain X life. Um, yeah. And now you can see why I figured out quickly. I'm like, wow, this card doesn't really do anything. Because I would cast it and they'd be like, oh, gain five life. My opponent's like, cool, attack you. And they're like, I'm like, oh, I didn't play anything. I'm, I'm way behind. And he just took back all that life gain. Yep. <laughs> but now, I mean, you know, with things like Thrag Tusk and Sphinx's Revelation... Uh, Core Firewalker recently also been another one. We see Life Gain uh, doing pretty well. Yeah, Life Gain and lots of cards. Life Gain and Huge Creature, which drops a creature when it returns. Life Gain and tends to be a lot more popular. Yeah. So, I mean, they figured it out, and, you know, they've made Life Gain pretty relevant. Or at least the things to which Life Gain is attached. Yeah. It's sort of the ultimate extra bonus, really. That's true. And, I mean, we even have, you know, for example, in Modern, Soul Sisters, a whole deck based around the concept of gaining lots of life. They've also given us plenty of more things to um, do with life gain. I mean, everything from Felidar Sovereign, because win the game is uh, pretty fun, yeah. all the way up to um, uh, every commander player's favorite, uh, Sarah Ascendant. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if favorite's quite the word. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's certainly a an infamous and famous card in Commander. Mm -hmm. Turn one, six six life link fly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. No. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's just an interesting note to see all life gain and they've they've evolved it and made it pretty relevant to modern magic. Yeah. Um other than that, you know, things dual lands holding strong, three to four dollars each. Um, and we see a couple other mythics doing pretty well in the four dollar range. Uh Vraska the Unseen. Um, and the unplayed still manages to hold a decent price tag at 803. Yep. I've got to pick a few of those up. Um, it's one of the most flavorful walkers, um, as opposed to the rather bland and tasteless Jace, who is, as usual, doing his usual Jacey thing and rocketing up through the price values. Yep. I mean, you know, bland and boring, you know, it works in retirement investments. It works with blue control plane walkers. So, yeah. Uh, that you got to go with. And also Angel of Serenity um, is doing really well. And I think they're, you know, probably it's an interesting coincidence, and not really when you think about it, you know, that we see a blue-blue card, a white-white-white card, 
and a white, white, blue card all doing well together um, and at the top of the set. Probably tell you there's a good blue, white control deck out there somewhere. Yeah. Although, on the other hand, there's plenty of variation as well. Epic Experiment is doing surprisingly well at uh, three and a third each. Um, at the other end, Deathrite Shaman is eating entire graveyards at 3.2. All the lands seem to be hovering round about um, between three and four at the moment. I like, and I like that. I like the idea with utility cards like that, where everyone wants them and they're pretty good. I like the idea of opening one and being able to, like, if you got it in a draft or whatever, then you could sell it and buy another pack. I think yeah. that's what those cards should be worth. Like, they should be worth getting another pack if you want to gamble again. Um, yeah. I think that's fair. All right. Uh, yeah. Looking around the rest of Standard, man, this is a, it's a weird time for Standard. It's something we haven't seen in a while. What we're seeing is tons and tons of cards that are actually worth money. Um, yeah. We don't really have, you know, like before, recently in the past, we've often seen, you know, 30 and $40 and a $50 Mythic and everything else was kind of in the, the tank. Or even, you know, fairly recently, like we had Jace getting up to $100 while he's in Standard. Mm-hmm. That's not really the case right now. We're seeing a lot of just a lot of cards kind of in the middle of the road right now, as far as that goes. One thing which intrigues me is the um, Innistrad jewels, um, Clifftop Retreat, Hildesland Harbor, Isolated Chapel, and so forth, seem to be only a single ticket or so behind the Ravnica jewels, the Shocklands. Yeah, uh, that is you know, and it is interesting. I think, I mean, I would guess they're not as played in modern as they are in standard. Um, and I mean, obviously they work very well together, but I think maybe modern, you have other options like with the filter lands and you have the sack lands. So they're not as needed there. So they're just a little bit lower, um, mm-hmm. but they're still obviously very relevant in standard and work great with the dual lands from Ravnica. So, yep. So standard players want versus, versus the other lands where standard and modern players want. So that'd be my guess. I'd say so. Yep. to see what the um, introduction of the other five uh, jewels will do to their prices. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, you know, the entire gate crash, of course, too. It'll be interesting to see what happens when things like, you know, Boros and Simic really open up and become possibilities for decks and what people do with that. Yep. Now, looking... Uh, going back to looking back, we have quite a few cards from... Um, uh, Dark Ascension, which are doing remarkably well. Uh, mm-hmm. Soren Lords of Enistrad, as you expect, for the last of a... Um, uh, I suppose, what would you call the uh, second set of a two-set um, fraction of block which is drafted together? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's what we get. something, you know, for like Morning Tide and Dark Ascension and Eventide, like a, what you call those, the... Second sort of quasi third. Yeah, the second, the second and last set, like the second last draft. Or, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that there's a name for it. What yeah. do you got, AJ? Well, it's just um, as you'd expect for a planeswalker from such a set. Um, it's doing pretty well for itself. Uh, currently at 23 tickets uh, or thereabouts. Heartmarsh of the Fells has taken a bit of a tumble. It's uh, down to just below 19 tickets each. It used to be um, well over 20, and in some cases over 30. Yeah, no, that's interesting, because, I mean, it's still a very good card, and you see, you know, black-red-green decks being played pretty frequently right now, 
Um, but again, I think, you know, just looking at it, we're in a really weird time where we have a really diverse format. Um, we looked at the results earlier, we were talking, and um, just this past weekend, the Star City Games event, the top eight standard featured pretty much eight unique decks. Um, you can make an argument that Junk Reanimator and Four Color Reanimator are kind of similar, but other than that, uh, you know, you have a con- blue-white-green control deck, a blue-white human aggro deck, a black-green zombie deck, a, you know, a blue-white-black aggro deck, a red- mono-red aggro deck, a Jun deck. It's a very diverse format where you have a lot of options of what you can play and be successful. So I think it's really hard for any card to keep those insanely high values that we've seen before because the format's still shifting quite a bit and there are a lot of viable decks, it seems, which kind of is reminiscent of the last time Ravnica was out. It just seems like there were a lot of different viable decks. It would be really worth keeping an eye on both Soren and the Huntmaster, due to the um, presence of Orzov and Gruul in the next set. Absolutely. And I feel bad. I know a buddy of mine, um, they had a long-standing bet. It was probably about a month after Dark Ascension came out. He thought Storm was terrible. One of them thought the Storm was terrible. The other thought it was great. And so they bet that the that it would never go over $20 in its standard lifetime. But he was like, no, it's terrible. It's not a good Blanzlogger, blah, blah, blah. Never going to be worth more than 20 And he was doing fine. You know, for quite a good chunk of the last like year, um, yep. But no longer. The price is spiked. Yep. Right. Um, speaking of prices spiking, man, Avison restored. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness gracious! Talk about a jam-packed set. Um, I think this this might be a record. This out in the. Planeswalker era, especially the more recent Planeswalker era, we have a set that has two regular rares that are over ten dollars. Um, Cavern of Souls at fifteen forty six and Restoration Angel at nineteen ninety two. Um, that's almost unheard of in the Mythic era of Magic. Yeah. If um, it's hard to say why Cavern of Souls is spiked so much. I mean. It may be contributing to the fall of sets of um, uh, the control-oriented builds, but even then, white-blue is doing really well at the moment, and there's half a dozen spells which can't be counted as well, so it's imp- you'd have thought that would have lessened its impact rather than increased it. Yeah, no, it's... But I mean, like you said, we talked about earlier how, you know, those blue-white cards are doing really well, so clearly blue-white is, is getting stuff done um, as a standard deck, which makes it a good card. And really... Even just playing it as a mana fixer, like even if you didn't anticipate running into a counterspell, it works as a pretty decent mana fixer that doesn't have a, a significant drawback most of the time. Mm. You know? Um, so I think people are just kind of seeing that. Like they were afraid at first that maybe it would only be vi- worthwhile in counter heavy environments. Whereas now I think you see some people kind of using it to, to smooth out mana in some cases. Which is really bizarre, given the sheer diversity and power of the mana fixing currently in standard. True, um, but it also you know gives you options to make sure you have a land that can come to play untapped, uh, yeah. which you know isn't always the case between you know a hand stacked with Innistrad duels or not wanting to pay the the piper on the Ravnica duels. Yeah, the flip side being it can't pay for anything which isn't a creature with its uh, many colored aspect. True. Well, we're seeing a pretty creature-dominated environment these days. It's true. Yeah. 
It's interesting to note how well the miracles are doing at the moment as well. Uh, temporal mastery. Temporal mastery tends to fluctuate more than the flux capacitator. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is a card lost in time. You're right, because it seems like every week its price either gets cut in half or doubles. Because um, I've seen this card be everywhere from $5 to $20 in the last like month or so, it seems. Yeah. So is it is it good? Is it not good? Is it really good? Is it not that good? Uh, well, it's a blue card and blue-white control does seem to be doing it, but is blue-white control playing it? I don't know. I think right now um, it sees it gets into decks and it sees surges. Like for example, when we had Titan in standard, you know, having a Titan going turn, you know, you're playing your six mana and playing a Titan, and the next turn you could just cast Temporal Mastery with a Titan in play. That was pretty devastating, and we saw it spike there. I've yeah. heard rumblings of um, epic experiment combo decks that play Temporal Mastery because um, that seems like a pretty nice card to, to flip over. Yeah, with epic experiment. Well, Epic Experiment does seem to be a bit nombo with it, though, um, to use the uh, terminology for something which doesn't combo well. It's, it's Epic Experiment and the various Miracles. Miracles are expensive when you're not playing the Miracle Cost, and particularly cheap when you aren't. Um, <laughs> yes, that is the mechanic. <laughs> yeah, but it's... You need to get nine mana for your epic experiment, which is pretty tricky to do at the best of times, especially in a format which is as creature dominant as the one we've currently got. True. And there's a, and there's a chance that amongst those um, seven cards you draw, you could completely wash out. No, yeah, it's it's definitely a possibility. Um, but I mean, some and it could just be, you know, I think it's probably more of a modern combo card, and I could just mm. see even it turning into a rampant growth for the combo deck in that sense. Would not be terrible, you know, if you turn, you know, flip it over turn two, and you just get to get an extra land in play. Um, that wouldn't be too bad sometimes for combo decks. When you always talk about being a turn away from comboing off, well, you know, temporal mastery could get you there. I suppose so. Sort of um, explore, if you will, draw a card, play a land. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Um, and Bonfire the Damned, of course, is still smoking hot. Yeah, cool off a little bit. Um, down from like the 40 it was, but still 3109, 120 for a playset. That's a, you know, not cheap. Yep, the embers are definitely glowing there, so wouldn't uh, touch it just yet. Exactly. Entreat the Angels. Five. Yeah. Entreat the Angels, on the other hand, is. Um, well, what do you reckon? Do you have faith in it? Uh, I don't know. Um, I think I think one of the bigger problems is, how, you know, how many X spells can you fit into your blue-white control deck? And I feel like maybe Sphinx's Revelation is the better one. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's cool to get angels sometimes, but sometimes you cast those angels and you still get burned out. Um, whereas if you draw six cards and gain six life, you probably shouldn't lose that game. Um you know, so I think maybe we'll just we'll see people having to really choose between those two, and they're going to lean more on Sphinx's Revelation than Entreat the Angels. Yeah, so, that'd be my guess. Yeah, depending on whether reward presence or um, life and cards are more viable. Yeah, but again, life and cards can get you a reward presence eventually. Yeah, I think the only thing that would tip it back is if we see some uh, kind of library manipulation 
come become available to us, like in Gatecrash, um, yep. that would you know really break the symmetry of the miracle. Mm-hmm. I see Grizzlebrand is slowly creeping up again, up to eleven tickets each. Yeah, uh, and he's he's one of those cards, kind of like I um, like Snapcaster Mage, who I would expect just to people to be like, yeah, he's pretty good. You know, they get him, like they buy him when he's six, and he's like, oh, he goes up to seven, and then he goes up to eight, and then nine and ten. I can see that happening as long as he doesn't get banned. I think he's gonna slowly creep up until he's eventually like twenty dollars. Um, he kind of reminds me a lot of Elish Norn in that way. Started off slow, kind of low, people weren't big on it, but then. You know, over time, the Mythic, it's from a set that's no longer drafted, and it's a pretty good reanimator target in every format, so. Yep. Now, with um, Headline Maker's Dream, if they do decide to kick him out, Grizzle banned. You can just imagine how many sites are going to do that. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that'll be... <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Definitely the headline, yes. Mm-hmm. All right. And then last we got a couple from M13, um, just yep. snagged kind of the big dogs there, and the you know the biggest dog of all apparently is flying through the sky. Yep, Thundermore Hellkite at no less than 24 and a third apiece, which is pretty good value for something which clears the skies and hits for five, for five. Yeah, no, that's it's not bad. Very aggressive, uh, pretty good in aggro decks. So. Um, I mean, he does what he does. Five mana, you attack for five. And you're sure to get through since they're tapping down the flyers. And you completely murder anything which is um, based on unboosted flyers, um, be they spirit tokens or in modern core or anything. Yeah, no, there's definitely some options. I've even starting to see the uh, the three mana, three one flying detain knight um, from Return to Ravnica. I'm starting to see some play. And yeah. yep. He gets killed too. Live Sky Knight. Yes. Doesn't stand up to a dragon. Nope. Doesn't even get the chance. <laughs> well, I think he does try to stand up to it, but yeah, that's not going to last long. <laughs> yeah. Halt! No. No, no. Raw. <laughs> Although the second one could probably detain him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the second one will detain him and then chop block. The only problem is then if they play Thundermaw number two. <laughs> Yes. I've seen that. That's the the part I think is devastating, is if, when they go Thundermaw, next turn, Thundermaw. It's like 5U, now 10 Thunder, Thunder, Thundermaw, ho. Yeah. <laughs> Man, on fire with the puns today, AJ. Mm-hmm. Um, also coming into the set, we have Sublime Archangel, 1849. Pretty ridiculous card. Uh, again, also especially in multiples. And then Drag Tusk. Always a ridiculous card. Multiples are not. Um, and doing very well. 15, yeah, yeah Thragtus seems to have risen a bit. Um, I mean, he wasn't exactly that cheap to begin with, but uh, definitely on an upward curve. Yeah, no, I mean, if he, you know, when M13 was the set to draft, he got down to about four or five. Um, I think I've even heard about three. I never saw it, but I've heard people say three. Um, but yeah, really good card. Being a leaves play ability is just such a big pain in the butt. Um, you know, not even that it, it dies, um, but just no matter what, no matter how it leaves play, is so incredibly powerful. And people are finding more and more fun ways to abuse him, whether it's just regularly playing him in beatdown, or in- brokenly blinking him with Restoration Angel, or even seancing him back now and making a token of him 
that then dies and makes a token uh, seems to be working out. Yeah, I can see all sorts of um, fun things which which people have been doing and uh, will probably continue to do as long as it's range and standard. So absolutely, yep. possibly even modern for that matter. Could be. Yeah, because this week's standard is two years from now's modern, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because extended, what's that? Yeah, we barely we barely knew when it was when it was available, and now that no absolutely no one plays it anymore, we sure don't know. Yep. All right, that kind of does it for our prizes this week. So let's talk about our question of the week. Um, what do you think about the set size breakdowns? So, you know, we went over it. We've had a lot of big sets lately, and you know, back in the old days, like we said, it was always big, small, small, big, small, small. Now we see a lot of variation. And what do you think? Is it a good idea? Is it good for the game? Has it worked out? I'm in favor. I'd have to say it's um, it's always worth trying things to see what works because sometimes you find things something which works a lot better than what previously worked um, adds a bit of variation. You never quite know um, what's coming until it um, occurs. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, big, small, big, big, small, big with um, uh, the likes of uh, Neophorexia, Avicen Restored and all that. Um, well, Neophorexia was big, small, wasn't it? It was, was it? Uh, Rise of the Eldrazi. Yeah. We, had Zendikar, yeah, we had Zendikar Block and Rise. And then we also had, you know, before we got a core set every year, we had the, the Lorewin experiment where they had two blocks in a block of sorts. Big small, big small. Yeah. And even before that, you had um, Cold Snap. Oh, yes, Cold Snap. Um, so, yeah, they've, they've tried a lot of variation. And I think, I think you're right. And, you know, especially like you pointed out earlier about how the block model is really good. Um, for this big, big, small, and that's going to be really good for it, probably. Um, the only the only downside I see that's really kind of getting, like me, as a, a redeemer of sets, so that I can play Magic out in the real world with my pants on, um, having a lot of big sets is kind of a pain in the butt sometimes. But then again, somebody who only plays online, yeah. Yeah. What's, what is this real world you speak of? Yeah, it's out there somewhere. I've heard, you know, it's got pretty good graphics. Gameplay kind of sucks sometimes, but... Uh, <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, other than, that's my only kind of nitpicky thing is just the, as a redeemer, all the big sets really kind of stick in your crawl a little bit. But I like that they're experimenting. I like they're trying new things, um, and that you know that with what's successful, they keep going sometimes. So. Yep. All right, that'll kind of do it. You know, let us know what you think of the formulas in the comments. AJ, what you been playing? I've been having a bit of fun. Um... This last weekend, I was uh, going for two of the last big-ticket achievements on the uh, list for the um, Tribal Apocalypse event. Uh, Weatherlight Ahoy, which required five different members of the Weatherlight crew, namely Squee, Tangarth, Hannah, uh, Cisse, Gerard, um, and who was the last one? Five. Urtai? No, um, let's see. That's all five. Um, yeah, no, you said yeah, you said five, yeah. Yeah, um, all five of those in play at once, and also I have a bad feeling about this, which requires in the same turn, casting in order, cruel ultimatum, then conflux, and then using Nicobolas planeswalker to destroy an opposing planeswalker. You pulled that off. I pulled that off. <laughs> 
How? in the same deck. What? <laughs> I like a challenge, okay? Yeah, I can see. Holy crap, man. <laughs> the fact that uh, Conflux was involved was a big part of it. Um, I used four of those, four Dream Halls, and um, the rest is found into place. Although the destroy an opposing planeswalker thing is pretty tricky to engineer, so I used Jace Bellerin and Donate. Yeah, so that's what I was wondering. I was like, how could you even guarantee that you would have a planeswalker to deal with that? That, that would do it. Yep. You play the planeswalker, you give the planeswalker to your opponent after drawing a card, and then you blow it up with your other planeswalker. <laughs> that's clever, man. You know, you've, you've got the Mad Scientist title for a reason. So. Yep. And that wrecked me in just about three times the payout of even the people who finished uh, top of the standings. Mad Science pays. It does. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of grants available to Mad scientists out there, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, well, very cool, man. Congratulations. That's a, that's a heck of an achievement. Right. Mm-hmm. Me, I've been far more boring. I've just been uh, pretty much playing Return to Ravnica four-pack sealed. Yep. Um, I love the four-pack format. As, as much as I busted on it earlier, it's goofy and weird, but I, I do enjoy it quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, like I said, you know, mill is power. I've won a lot of matches. Um I get very excited when I open up my pool and I see double doorkeeper. I do a little fist pump and I look for all my walls. I'm just like, I'm gonna play four color wall. <laughs> just get people, to, which I did the other day. I had because uh, I was playing the the black four four wall that lose it. It doesn't lose defender, but it can attack as though it doesn't have defender when you control a guild gate. Yes, um, the ogre, ogre gatekeeper. Yeah, I had him. I had. Uh, the Axebane Guardian, so I could access all of my colors. I had Lobber Crew, just in case I needed to deal damage, but mostly just as a 0-4. And then I had uh, Doorkeepers. So I heard my opponents were like, 2-2, two, two, and I'm like, 0-4, zero, 0-4, four, zero, four, zero, four. Mm-hmm. Oh, I used, um, as the main creature base for the uh, uh, Bizarre deck, was um, a whole bunch of humans uh, uh, with Defender. Um Perimeter Guard, um, Stalwart Shield Bearers, uh, and of course, Akbane Guardian. Um, yeah. Uh, getting to a position where you can cast Conflux purely off an Axbane Guardian is fun. That's pretty sick. Isn't it like, it's like, it's like three and then one of each color, right? It's, um, yep, it's three and one of each color, and uh, Axbane Guardian, as you know, is uh, um, whatever colors you like and whatever quantities you like. Well, however many walls you have. You don't get to just tap it and say, I want 18 mana. <laughs> <laughs> it's not whatever you want. you got to make yeah. it work for it. But if you've got a bunch of Perimeter Captain, which is gain life whenever you block with a creature with Defender, Stealth Steel Bearers is all your creatures with Defenders get plus zero, plus two. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty nice uh, thing. I mean, there's there's a tradition in the format of playing Wall X, like Wall Drazi, where you just um, use... Uh, what is it? The one uh, overgrown rampart from yeah um, yeah ramp, battle rampart battlements or whatever yeah yeah the one okay. and a green tap for a green for each wall you have exactly yeah uh, using that sort of card to ramp out things um, like the Eldrazi uh, titans um, or the Titan titans um, off the back of um, wall of omens wall of blossoms that sort of thing yeah makes sense. 
Mm-hmm. Very cool. So power to the walls. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Future Real Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you guys next week. See you on the flip side. All the best. Later. Later.